you can view additive manufacturing almost as a, a digital warehouse, if you will, where as long as you have the build files available to you, you can build what you need on site. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Today, we're living in an on-demand world. You run out of K-cups, so you click a button in your Amazon app and it shows up the next morning. You feel like binge-watching season three of Succession, so you pull open HBO Max on your smart TV and the next thing you know, it's 2 a.m. You need parts in your manufacturing operation, well, there's on-demand for that now too. It wasn't too long ago when additive manufacturing was a shiny new technology, maybe just used for prototyping. But times have changed and quickly. My guest today will dive into what's possible today in additive manufacturing and how it might affect your world. Let me introduce her. Melanie Lang, co-founder and CEO of Form Alloy, is motivated by developing a disruptive technology that delivers the future of additive manufacturing, creating high-value components with superior performance. Form Alloy Technologies, Inc. is a provider of award-winning directed energy deposition systems and services to a wide range of industries. Melanie holds a BS in aerospace engineering from the University of Illinois and an MS in Systems Architecture and Engineering from the University of Southern California. In addition to her role at Forum Alloy, Melanie currently serves on the America Makes Executive Committee as the Vice President of Legislative Affairs for Navy League San Diego and is a Women in 3D Printing Ambassador. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Melanie, let's just start with a very open-ended question here. What's happening today in the world of additive manufacturing that has you excited? Well, I'm really excited to see adoption rates increasing, not only for our technology, but really across the board. I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable with the additive manufacturing technologies, and they're finding ways to incorporate them into their existing products to either make them perform at a higher level uh, or to be able to make changes and get things to market more quickly. Yeah, it seems like it was just a really interesting space to be in right now. I first time I talked to somebody about additive was probably, I don't know, five or six years ago. And it seemed like we were kind of right at this threshold of moving from being almost, you know, something for prototyping to something for actual manufacturing applications. And haven't really been in the heart of it at all with, with any of the clients or, or anything since. And so I'm, I'm just uh, really curious to see kind of where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that, that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing people using it now for production components and just getting things back into service more quickly because you can use it for repair applications as well. So now you have, you know, real world parts that are in end use systems that are either made or repaired with additive manufacturing. Melanie, I know that one of your specialties in additive manufacturing is DED, short for directed energy deposition. Can you tell us what DED is all about and how it's used? Sure. So with directed energy deposition, you typically have some type of power source or energy source, and then a feedstock 
In our case, we're utilizing metal powder and we use a laser for our energy source. We blow the powder typically out of a coaxial nozzle and a powder comb is formed. And then we use the laser to create a melt pool onto the substrate and that powder cone is then blown into that substrate and then parts build up layer by layer. So you're, you're basically blowing the powder where you need it and hitting it with the laser energy to create a melt pool. So with that, you can add material to existing parts. You can do multiple materials, you can do repair, or you can just do single builds, but it, it's a pretty flexible technology in terms of design space. Very cool. Well, I'm going to come back around in a little bit to have you maybe talk about some applications and examples and, and additive, but you know, to touch on something that you said when we were talking a few weeks ago or a while back planning this conversation, you said to me that a lot of the challenges in business aren't really about the technology at their core. They're, you know, an example you gave is getting hunks of metal to the right place at the right time. Just talk about what you mean by that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, one of the great cases of additive manufacturing is that you can build things on demand. So you don't have to have a super complex supply chain or repair process if if you don't really need it. You can sort of build stuff, you know, locally when you need it or repair things locally when you need it. So from a technology standpoint, you can have, you know, these these very complex systems and they can do amazing things, but traditionally you might have been limited by what you can do because you're worried about being able to support that equipment and getting those hunks of metal to the right place at the right time. With additive technology, you can sort of simplify the the entire supply chain and support tail um, by just having something there when you need it and being able to even build it locally in, in many cases. Can you talk a little bit about examples of situations when, you know, when is additive right and when's it not? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of cases when it's right, but there's also a lot of cases when it's wrong. So I think some of the right cases for additive are when you have parts that are built in somewhat lower volume or potentially with very expensive or challenging to get materials. In the case of DED, if you want to have some type of multi-material solution, there's really no way to do that um, with traditional manufacturing in a, in a single step. And then, of course, being able to just add material where there could be a, you know area of wear or damage, right? you can add material to it. So those are all really good use cases for additive and then also uh, some specifically for DED. If, if you are making something uh, traditionally and you are making very large quantities and they're not staying the same and the supply chain is not complex. Basically you place, you know, huge orders for these, these components and you sort of get them regularly and you don't have any supply chain issues, you know, that where it might, that's where it might be a harder case for additive manufacturing because additive manufacturing is not always cheaper, especially if you already have the tooling in place for the traditional processes. So if it's just a, you know, a cost-saving thing, that's not always the the best reason. Sometimes it can be, you know, if you're building a component and you're only going to build maybe a few or maybe just a couple hundred, and then the design's going to change, you know, the tooling could be a million bucks just for the tooling. In that case, that might be another good use case for additive. 
in, in your time working in this space, what have you seen change? Like, I'm curious if you would have answered that question differently five plus years ago versus now, like what, what's evolved, what's changed? I think what's evolved is there's more trust being built with additive manufacturing processes. It's still, it's still in progress. I wouldn't say that we've sort of reached the point now where people are willing to accept components that have been manufactured additively similarly to how they would have accepted components that are made traditionally. Um, but I think that we are certainly moving in the right direction. And, and that's been a change where there are some more standards now. There are more certification plans and examples where parts have been accepted that have been made additively um, versus traditionally. Um, but we still have a ways to go there. Sure. You mentioned to me previously that like with traditional manufacturing methods, you may in some cases take a hybrid approach where, you know, additive is just another tool in your toolbox. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that? Yeah, absolutely. I think with additive manufacturing, just like with traditional, it's not a one size fits all. You know, typically as a company, you're not going to say, well, everything we do here, we are just going to have machine or everything that we're doing is just going to be cast. It might be some parts are, are cast and then machined and other parts are just machined or, you know, whatever other processes you may have. And I think it's very similar to additive manufacturing is you're typically not just going to pick one technology for a, an entire family of parts. I think you're going to have to look at the specific application and then define which technology is best suited for that application and which have the most sort of things in common that would lead you to one technology over another. And then from a hybrid perspective, absolutely, it could be that the best case for a particular application is that a part is made in a powder bed type of system and then goes into a DD process like we do, maybe to complete the part or to add a different material to the part or to build up uh, at a much faster build rate uh, because you don't necessarily need the complexity that you were maybe achieving with a, a powder bed type of system. So I think when people open up sort of their, their minds to, it might not be just a single additive technology, it might be best to employ multiple additive technologies. Oh yeah, and by the way, combine those also with traditional manufacturing. Then you can really start thinking about how can we optimize this part and make it perform the way that we want by employing a multi-material solution, you know, with, with different steps along the way. So, you know, that that's one way to look at it. I think there's also some applications where you, you don't necessarily need that. If you're doing a, a simple repair application, you might just need DED. And that might be the single step process that you need. You know, you're going to add material back to something near net shape is sufficient for your application. So you not aren't even necessarily going to need to finish that part. But I think it's important to look at the application and the requirements and then decide what type of approach that you're going to use, whether it be, you know, hybrid and with traditional and additive or, you know, hybrid in terms of, you know, two different additive technologies together or some type of additive and subtractive technology. So there, there's a lot of options, just like you said, um, and, and additive and, and each type of additive technology is just another tool in your toolbox. Melanie, I came across an article a few years back that was written by Lou Rassi at Fast Radius, which is a uh, additive manufacturing company, you know, based in the Chicago area. And he described 3D printing or additive as the fourth modality where, and he looked at it in, in terms of modes of transportation, there was water and then there was ground and then there was air. And now there are digital files. And I thought that was such an interesting 
perspective at, you know, now for certain parts or smaller components, or like you said, repairs, maybe now we're just talking about transferring a file digitally that could be in your hands instantaneously, as opposed to, you know, waiting for something to ship and stocking inventory. And I was just kind of curious your, your take on a concept like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you can view additive manufacturing almost as a, you know, a, a digital warehouse, if you will, mm-hmm. where as long as you have the the build files available to you, you can build what you need on site, you know, when you need it. You don't necessarily have to keep, you know, multiple components in stock. You're just going to build them when they're needed. So I think that entire concept of how do we digitize our components and sort of digitize our supply chain. And then all you need to do, like you said, is, is have this digital file transfer and you can, you know, build a part on site. So, you know, I don't think that we're there yet as an industry. I certainly think that we are on that path and and we can get there, but I don't think that we're quite there yet. Melly, sometimes a concrete example helps, you know, take a concept and make it a little more tangible for our listeners. Are there examples from existing or past customers of applications that you'd like to touch on? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. I think one of the industries that has really done a good job of helping move additive forward and, and really adopting the technology has been aerospace. So, you know, for example, that's that's a good use case because there's not typically very large volume of components that are produced. There's, you know, several or maybe, you know, a couple hundred that are produced and then the design might change or it might change to a slightly different model. So for things like rocket nozzle components, you know, that's a great application for direct energy deposition because you can build the parts very large. Again, with this technology, you're blowing the powder where you need it. So you don't need to have a, you know, a huge bed of powder. So that really enables these, these very large you know, uh, a free form type builds. Uh, you have five axis motion, so you can do some really complex geometries without the need to build in any kind of support structure. So like I said, you know, rocket nozzle components, you know, along those lines, any type of heat exchanger components where there's some type of internal channel. And in those cases, then you can even look at multi-material solutions. So you might need to use some type of copper alloy for thermal properties, but you may also need somehow uh, to combine it with the strength of like a nickel super alloy. So you'll find things that are, you know, rocket nozzle components or heat exchanger components that are made with some combination of copper alloys and nickel super alloys to have the good thermal properties combined with the strength. So that we do quite a bit of work in the aerospace industry, also in the consumer good industries. And I won't give any uh, super specific examples here because our, our customers are really using this technology to you know, sort of create really new, unique things. But in general, if you think of uh, components that can be made inexpensively uh, with maybe a, an inexpensive material, like uh, like some type of steel, but they want certain parts of that component to be really high performing, you know, we can take these parts that were made traditionally and we can add material just where they're needed to be, you know, extra hard or corrosion resistant or even create a, a nice, acoustic property when they're used. So there's a lot of different examples there where you don't necessarily have to make the entire, you know, part out of an additive technology. You can just add material to, you know, where you want uh, some type of high performance to happen. And then the the last thing that I'll say is, you know, tooling. I mean, I think tooling is sort of the low hanging fruit and has been very widely adopted and well adopted for additive. 
But again, if you have tooling that is worn in a particular area, you don't have to remanufacture that entire tool. You can just build up, you know, the face where, where you need it. So like for, uh, you know, mold and dye industry, you know, it's a great tool for repairing or maybe making design changes to that tooling. So, you know, those are, those are just a few examples, but it's pretty exciting. And then there's a lot of good use cases and examples you know, on the online as well. Um, if you if you Google some use cases of additive manufacturing, uh, and then whatever you're interested in, whether it be you know aerospace or automotive or in biotech, it's being used a lot of really really cool ways. And it, it might spur your thoughts on you know how you might use it. Oh, those are all great examples. Thanks for sharing, Melanie. For any manufacturing leaders who are intrigued by additive, but maybe they're not sure how it fits into their world or where to get started in terms of learning about it, what advice can you leave them with? Well, there are several courses that that you can take through different universities, just sort of like additive manufacturing 101, which will go through different technologies and how they're typically used. But I would also say if there's a technology that that you sort of read about that you think might be a good fit, reach out to those companies or those service providers and they will help educate you if their technology is is good for your application or not and maybe even help you point you in the right direction if it's not. So I know I'm happy to do that. I do that on a regular basis. Pretty much daily, we get new applications in saying, hey, can you guys make this? Can you make it out of this material? And we're always happy to give feedback on, yes, that's a good use case for what we do or... We could build that, but that might be better suited for this other technology. And I think, you know, most people in the industry are at least somewhat versed on the other technologies that are available in the ecosystem. So just, you know, you have you have to start somewhere. So do a little bit of, you know, internet research and sort of understand what the overall ecosystem looks like. Once you sort of narrow down what you think it might be, reach out to some of those technology providers or OEMs that make that technology and, and, you know, let the experts, you know, help you uh, with the application development. Good advice. Melanie, is there anything I did not ask you that you'd like to hit on before we put a wrap on this? If anybody's interested in direct energy deposition technology, either from a technology side or how it's used in research and development, or if you have a specific application, please feel free to go to our website. It's www.formalloy.com. You can submit an inquiry and and we can get back to you and follow up. But also if it's something that that you're interested in and that you love, pursue it. Don't be afraid. Most people that are in additive today and practitioners today they didn't start in additive manufacturing. You know, now there's there's entire, you know, college curricula that are based on additive manufacturing, but you know, when when I was going to school and when many others that are in the industry now, there wasn't a uh, a discipline specific to additives. So at some point we all sort of made our our turn and redirected ourselves into AM. So don't be afraid. It's never too late to start. And uh, many of us did not start an additive. And, and at some point we made a little detour and very happy that that I did that for sure. That's great. So formalloy.com, go check out uh, Melanie's organization. Melanie, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best place to find you? So they can go to that website or they can send an email to info at formalloy.com. Perfect. Well, Melanie, great conversation today. I really appreciate you doing this. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.